You ready to get into the Word today? Amen. Let me encourage you. We have something in our bookstore that you might really enjoy. Have you guys ever heard of the Promise Book? The Promise Book is outstanding. And what it is, is it just gives you a title and then all the scriptures for that in topics. And I was able to bring a bunch in in all different formats. You can get the very inexpensive one if you want. And then they have real nice leather ones, large print ones. Check it out. It's over in the Bible area of our bookstore. It's a good resource to have. I have mine in my car. You're going through discouragement. You look up discouragement. It gives you scriptures on that topic and on and on and on. It's a great little resource, very inexpensive in the paperback one if you like to add that to your library. Amen? The reason I did it this service is because I hear, you always tell everybody first service, and by the time we get there, there's none left. Amen? So I didn't announce it first service. So I announced it to you. It's over in the Bible area. There's two shelves of all different types. You can check them out. Amen? Say, thank you, Pastor. No. <laughs> Let's pray as we get into the Word today. Father, we love you and we thank you again that Jesus is Lord. We thank you for this heat wave. Hallelujah! <laughs> Man, I don't know if that balloon from China brought that cold in, but it was cold out there the other day, Lord. And we thank <laughs> You're good, Father, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Got to have a little fun with all this craziness in our world. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Me and Diane, we live over in the Crystal Spring area, and boy, when that wind comes in, man, it literally shook the house, I'm telling you. And then it was so cold, and the furniture was moving. I said, Diane, come here, and I pushed her out the door. I said, you fix the furniture up. It's, it's too cold. I wouldn't do that. Yes, he would, you hear? <laughs> All right, February, here we are, another month. This is kind of known as the month of love, right? And what I want us to do is look at the gospel, which is the greatest love story that we can even imagine. I want to start off, this will be our foundation scripture as we take a journey this month. Are you ready? Romans 1, 16, excuse me, 17. For I am not ashamed. Why don't we read it together? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That last statement there, the just shall live by faith, is what caused the Reformation to come to the world, to the world, amen? Before, this, before Martin Luther got this statement in his heart, you know, church family, one word from God can totally change you. One word from God can heal you. One word from God can give you a vision, can give you a, 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 a plan. One word from God. Martin Luther got this. If you remember the church at that time, the Bible wasn't even written in the language of the people. And then Martin Luther wrote it in the German language, the Luther Bible. And he went and put the, the you know, he nailed those theses to the wall of the church. The church basically locked up the Bible and basically said, for you to get to heaven, 
you got to pay for it. The more money you give, the more you get to heaven. You ever want to see a great movie? Watch, it's called Luther. And it really explains it very well, how they would bring their money in and they would ring the bell so they could build their big cathedrals and stuff. And Martin Luther came on the scene and they wanted to kill that guy. Amen. And he came on the scene and he got this one verse here. You ready? Say it with me. The just shall live by faith. Say it again. The just shall live by faith. And it's found about four or five different times in our Bible, because it is such a key verse to understand. We are the just. Do you understand that? We, we, we just went through a whole month of teaching on it, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we have been justified just as if I've never sinned, that we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But as we taught this previous month, it's not to give us a license to sin. If you're looking for a license to sin, then I challenge your salvation. All right? What it does, it gives us a relationship with God. God is holy. There is no way we could approach a holy God in our own merits. So God has given us grace that we can get in. Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited Favor. Now he's talking about this gospel here. Watch the way the NLT says it, the New Living Translation. Oh, well. Thank you. Man, she's good. Thank you very much. Because it'd be a mess up here if I left the cap off, right? Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of this good news. Everybody say it. This good news about Christ. Watch what he says now. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jews first, remember the gospel came to the Jews first. Jesus was Jewish. Mary was Jewish. Joseph was Jewish. They were all Jewish, right? To the Jew first, and then also the Gentile. Now watch verse 17. This good news tells us how God made us right in his sight. Say that with me. I am right in God's sight. Because of Jesus Christ. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. That's the only way it can be, church family. And that's what I've been trying to share with you. The same way I have to use faith for healing. I have to use faith for peace in my life. I have to use faith to understand that God's not mad at me. That God loves me. That I am made right with God. He loves me as much today as he will love me a trillion years from now. That is unconditional, all-giving love. Amen? If we can just get that in our mind, if we can get that in our spirit, our spirit already knows it, to get it from our spirit into our mind that I am loved by God, that I'm one of his kids, one of his favorites. Can I get a better amen on that? Now watch what it says. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So this gospel, the word gospel in the original Greek is the word eugelio, lion. How about if I spell it for you? <laughs> I can't even say English words right. I'm going to say Greek words right, right? E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N, lion. E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. 
Thank you. We got a Greek scholar over here, right? But catch this now. Look at the little research I did on this. This word was really, rarely, rarely used in the contemporary Greek literature at the time of the early church. The literal meaning of this word is, you should write this down, nearly too good to be true news. Gospel means, ready? Nearly too good to be true news, which in itself explains why the word was almost never used. Things that sound too good to be true, normally, when scrutinized, they turn out to be untrue. Oh, man, if, if you just buy, buy this, this lake in Arizona, it's, it'll make you a fortune, you know. You get where I'm going here. But this is not so when it comes to the gospel. The gospel message contains such good news that it sounds totally incredible, but still is 100% true. This means, catch what I'm going to say now, that if what is preached in our churches is not good news that sounds too good to be true, then the true gospel is not being preached. This word was rarely used until Jesus came on the scene. Too many Christians believe that there is no difference between the Old Testament and the New, that it's just one blank, blank page in between. But church family, it is a night and day difference. From you go from the old, do you ever think that anyone in the Old Testament, everyone, every single person, don't care how many billions of people there were, none of them got to go to heaven. They had to wait for the Messiah to come. They went to a place that was called Abraham's bosom, a place of waiting. There's only two exceptions to that rule, and those are, you guys know who they are, right? Enoch and Elijah. Where they go, I have no idea. Somehow, it's almost like the Seinfeld episode. They were the bubble boys, amen? They had to be in some sort of a bubble protected because flesh and blood cannot live in heaven. They couldn't get in heaven in their flesh and blood, but yet the Bible says they never died. Never died. Enoch and Elijah, the only two that never died. My own personal opinion, they're the two prophets of the book of Revelation that will come that will be killed and then left right on the ground and you'll watch it on CNN and all that. And then after three days, their bodies will rise from the dead. That's who I think they are. Some people believe it's Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophet, could be. But Moses died. The Bible says that God took Moses' body and he buried it personally. Can you imagine that? He buried his body personally. But Enoch Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And Elijah, fiery chariots took off. Come on, church family. They're the only two. Everybody else had to go into this waiting place. And I thought about that first service. I want you to picture the scene right now. Down in this waiting place, remember with the story of, uh, uh, of Lazarus and the, the rich man? Was it Lazarus? Yeah. And he said that there is a gulf between those that were in hell and those that were in Abraham's bosom. 
And this guy, the rich man, was able to recognize Abraham. Now, Abraham was born thousands of years before, but yet he was still able to recognize him, never met him. So people say, are we going to know people when we get to heaven? Yeah, yeah. But the part that got to me was, do you remember the person in the Bible who died for four days? Name was Lazarus. So can you imagine? Lazarus dies. He goes down into Abraham's bosom. There's David. There's Moses. There's all the saints of the Old Testament. And he says this, hey guys, he's up there right now. <laughs> who is? The Messiah. Jesus Christ is his name. And soon you're going to be out of here. You remember the Bible says in Ephesians, Jesus went down into the bowels of the earth. He led captivity captive. Can you imagine David dancing and shouting and Moses and all of them being taken up into heaven when our Savior rose from the dead? Hallelujah! What a celebration it is for us. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. We'll get taken up. But these guys had a rapture experience also. Amen? Oh, man, I just picture it. All right. The New Testament is the gospel, which is nearly too good to be true news. It's all about Jesus and what he did to get us back to his Father God. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18, look what it says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's the gospel, church family. It's the power of God. And we don't need to milk this down. We need to show the power of God. I think about the early church. You know, they were beaten. They were whipped. You remember all that? And then they went to their church. They went to their own company, the scripture says. And you know, they didn't pray this. Oh, God. Smite them. Look what they did to my back, God. They never prayed that. They prayed, God, give unto us boldness that we may preach thy word. And then they said, and that signs and wonders will accompany the preaching of the gospel. Man, that's something else. I don't know about you, I don't like pain, amen? Pain isn't like, oh, give me pain. You know, it's not one of my favorite things. And here these guys were just beaten, but yet they never prayed against the people. They never prayed you know, you know, do something in us to get them. They prayed, help us to share the gospel. Help us to share the good news with other people, amen? Go over to Luke chapter 19 with me. As we saw last month, man fell, and Jesus had come to get us back, amen? Wednesday night, me and Diane did the online Wednesday service this past one, and I called it the Adams family. And the reason I called it that is because in this world, there are two groups of people. One group is under Adam, and another group is under the last Adam, Jesus Christ. One group is unsaved, and one group is saved. One is still living under the curse of Adam. One is living under Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham may come upon us, Gentiles. That's me. Come on, say, it's me. It's me. I get the blessings. 
You want to know what the blessings are? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 when you get a chance. There's only like 15 or so verses there, uh, 15 or 16 verses of the blessing, and then the rest of the chapter, which got like 60-some verses, is all the curse. That's why Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Even hemorrhoids are under the curse. I mean, it gets pretty intense what's under the curse. Well, better preaching than you're amening. Say, that's a good chance, amen. amen. No, not, not, not. <laughs> Luke chapter 19, just having a little bit of fun. Luke 19, 10. Would you read this together with me? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How many here can say, thank you, Lord Jesus? that he came to seek and to save me. Again, nobody in the Old Testament got what we got. They had to wait for Messiah to come. We got the privilege of looking backwards. They didn't have the word gospel. We have the word gospel, amen? So what I want us to do now with just looking at that word there, that scripture, go to verse one, Luke 19, one. And let's just look at a couple stories today from the word of God. Luke 19, 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. How many here have been to Jericho? I've been there. Some of you have, and the walls are still there, guys, but they tumble down. Amen? Oh, I don't believe in it. Well, then, you know, think about this. If your eternal salvation, your eternal life forever is based on this Bible, the New Testament, Old Testament, go find out if these stories are true. Because if they are true, then you got some decisions to make. But what it is, you want to live in your sin. You want to live with that and thinking there's no judgment. No, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Judgment will come to all of us. Thank God. Our judgment has been taken away through Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. What a cool name, right? Come on, you guys know the song, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was. <laughs> to see. Now keep going on. And he was rich. He was a chief tax collector. So he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see, see who Jesus was. Picture the scene now. Lots of people. He heard Jesus was coming into the neighborhood. So he gets excited. Come on. You ever have that? I remember one time I got tickets to go to a golf tournament where all the big names were going to be up in, I don't know, what was one of these... Uh, car things, Buick or something like that. And Tiger Wood was going to be there. And you know where the crowd was, wherever Tiger went, whatever hole he was at. When he ate a power bar, we're all going. And you all wanted to get close to see Tiger Wood swing that golf club. Come on, talk to me, church family. It's the same thing that's going on here. Jesus is a celebrity. And they wanted to check him out. So here's Zacchaeus. But he could not because of a crowd, because he was short of stature. In other words, he was a little guy. Amen? So he ran ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, picture the scene. Here's Zacchaeus up in the tree going like this. And Jesus looks up. 
Can you picture this? And he comes and he says, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine that? Come on. Can you imagine I'm standing, you know, 100 feet behind Tiger Wood and he goes, Tom, come here. I want you to hit the ball. You don't want me to hit the ball. I'll never forget Andrew when he was, uh, had that 300 game going and he gets to that 10th frame and they, uh, and everybody comes and watch, watches. Not a little bit of putting a little pressure on him, amen? Everybody's watching and here's Zacchaeus. Probably everybody went like this, right? And he said, make haste, come down for today I must stay at your house. Wow. Oh, people must have been, yeah, Zacchaeus, you the man coming to your house. Woohoo! Nah. So he made haste, he came down and received him joyfully, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, boy, social media was even back then, if you know what I'm saying. He has gone to be a guest with sinners who is us. Well, a man who is a sinner, I can just imagine all the hashtags out there. Hashtag sinner. Hashtag Zacchaeus. Hashtag Jesus. I can't believe what he just did. Then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, remember he's a short guy, right? Lord, I picture Jesus, not you're real tall, but a you know, good-sized Jewish man. Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I had taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. I guarantee they're all standing. Yeah, baby, fourfold, you owe me a lot. Come on, talk to me, church family. These are regular people just like you and me. Can you imagine you being all upset that he, he's getting called out and then all of a sudden he says he's going to restore. You were probably saying that stinker, he stole 50, 50 shekels from me. He stole 100 shekels. I'm going to restore fourfold. Oh, what a good guy. I'm going to get me 400 shekels by the end of this day. Look what Jesus says. Today, Salvation, the good news, almost too good to be true news, has come to this man's house because he is also a son of Abraham. Murderers are still people. Rapists are still people. Cruel people are still people. They need the gospel to change their lives. They need that almost too good to be true news. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? This month as a staff, we're reading the book Mission Possible, Go Create a Life That Counts by Tim Tebow. In one of the chapters, he says this. This is Tim Tebow speaking. We can use what we've been given for others. Success in itself isn't a bad thing. There's never been a day in my life in which I wanted to lose, whether that's a football game or a deal. But I also know that if I allow success to be used in only a self-fulfilling way, I will lack purpose. Significance, however, is about others, loving and serving people. One of the greatest questions you can ask yourself is, does my life change other people's lives for the better? 
When you're focused on others, when your priorities are wrapped around the Great Commission, bringing the love of Jesus to hurting people, your life counts for more than a title people will forget or an achievement someone will probably surpass in time. Come on, one of the greatest records of all time that they thought would never be broken was Luke Eric's record, right? 2,600, whatever. But yeah, Carl Ripken comes along and he breaks that record, amen? They thought the, the four-minute mile, that's impossible. The physical body cannot achieve that. Now, if you don't run a four-minute mile, you don't even think of trying out for anything big. You understand what I'm trying to say? So records are made to be broken. He continues on. Years ago, I heard it said that one of the greatest tragedies in life is to look back one day and say, I was successful in things that don't matter. Come on, church family. Here, let me just throw this out. And I'm not against entertainment, but sometimes me and Diane will put a show on before we go to sleep. And of course, I fall asleep and she's awake watching the show. And she'll say, I'll say the next day, so what was the ending? And she's like, I don't remember. So we spent this hour or whatever it is watching something that has absolutely no significance that I can't even remember it when I could be reading my Bible or praying or doing something that has eternal significance. Mm. Again, not against entertainment. Y'all need a little entertainment. But when that phone is saying eight hours on the side there, you know it's getting a little bit overboard. Amen? All right. I am writing this chapter, he says, so that you live today with tomorrow in mind and so that your end goal is not shaped by the world, who the world says you are, but rather is anchored in whose you are. I don't want your end goal to be about praise, promotion, and applause. I want it to be about people, purpose, and passion. Amen. And isn't that the message of the the gospel? to love God and to love people. And that's what this is all about. Why are they spending millions of dollars to get the gospel message on Super Bowl? Because it's one of the biggest platforms out there. And that's why they're saying, come on, churches, let's do something. Look for someone that's lost. Start praying. See if you can invite them. See if you can share the gospel with them. Do something outside of your comfort zone. Not always easy, but good, but good. People have left the comforts of America's life to go share the gospel in nations where people want to kill them. Think about that. They leave all of this air conditioned heat, cars on and on to go to Afghanistan, to go to North Korea, to go to places where if they get caught, they'll be executed. And we saw that with the Taliban and on and on. This is what loving God and loving people who are made in the image of God is all about. This is what Luke 19.10 is about. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those that were lost. If there was anyone that had luxury, it was Jesus. Or let me say it like this. It was Christ. He lived in heaven. He had trillions of angels. And he beckoning that he wants but he came down to bring me home. Hallelujah. Look at this with me. Turn with me to Philippians 2.5. 
Jesus left the glory to seek and to save us. And we now have the privilege of doing the same thing. Each one reaching one. Each one of us. Can you imagine if every Christian just said, I want to get at least one person saved before I take my last breath on planet Earth. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? In America alone, can you imagine how many people that call themselves Christians are in America? If each of us would quit saying, I want to be so spiritual, I want to do this, and say, I want to get a person saved, Lord. One person, lead me, help me, pray for them, my neighbor, a co-worker, somebody, and then look for opportunity. Look for that moment of, of weakness, that moment of hunger, that moment of seeking that that person's going through. And then don't be no John the Baptist, almost too good to be true. John had his job then. Our job today is to share the gospel. Almost too good to be true news. God loves you. God forgives you. He accepts you just as you are. Well, what if I keep sinning? We all make mistakes. Just ask him to forgive you. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus and God are equal. But made himself of no reputation. He's taking the form of a bondservant, like a slave, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And what did God do when a person was willing to humble themselves? Remember, Jesus became a man, right? Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, man. I'm ready for his rule. Amen? I'm ready for his rule. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 15? And today, as we start wrapping up, we're going to look at one of the greatest love stories of the Bible. I mean, I love the love story of Ruth, and one day we'll, we'll, we'll go there. But this story here in Luke chapter 15 is so beautiful. So beautiful. Let's begin right at verse 1. You guys ready? Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. Is that interesting? Let me ask a little simple question on this. Do you think Jesus was sinning? But yet his holiness actually drew sinners, tax collectors, publicans, people that the world wanted to look down on. Yet Jesus, who he was, people came to him. Come on, church family, talk to me. Because some reason we think by living a clean life, you know, if I'm going to get people saved in a bar, I got to get smashed with them. And no, no, no. You be a witness to people, amen? You show them a higher standard. You show them the most high God, if you know what I'm saying. 
All right? And the Pharisees and scribes, they complain. Why do they complain? This man receives sinners and he eats with them. Remember, they couldn't do anything that would defile them. So he spoke this parable saying, the first parable is called the parable of the lost sheep. What man of you having 100 sheep, everybody say 100. If he loses one of them, that's 1% of, his, of the sheep there, right? Does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds him. And when he has found him, he kicks him in the sheep coolie and says, you dumb sheep. No. Look what he does. He picks him up and he puts him on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. That a beautiful picture. So in other words, God is doing this. Who can I reach today? Who can I, can I send Tom to that person? Can I send Dave to that person? Can I send Charles, Christiana? Can I send, can, can I send Jen? Who can I send? Can I send Wally? Can I send them to that person there? Because remember, we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth down here. Angels are not allowed to preach the gospel. People preach the gospel. The only time angels are allowed to preach the gospel is during the great tribulation. But during this dispensation, that's our responsibility. Talk to me, church family. But now watch, this is so interesting. Verse seven, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just people who need no repentance. And that's why when people are born again, we shout, amen. We rejoice, amen. Because another person is not going to hell. Glory be to God. Now watch the next one. The next one is called the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. So it went from one out of 100 to one out of 10 now. Everybody with me? But watch verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is more joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So up in heaven with these billions, millions, trillions, I don't know how many's up there of angels, they stop and they throw a party when a person gets born again. Now, this is just my little brain thinking here. I believe that every one of us has an angel. How many can say, before I got saved, there were some dumb things I did, and I don't know how I got out of it, but I got out of it. Anybody here? Oh, man. And I don't believe they left you after you got saved. Amen? I wonder, up in heaven, let's just say Trish over there, she gets born again. And I wonder if her angel goes, she got saved. 
And I wonder if all the angels get around that angel, start patting him on the back. Trish got saved. Yeah, she got saved by my kid. How many here remember It's a Wonderful Life? And you remember, what was his name again? Char Clarence, that's right, Clarence. And Clarence wanted his wings, and every time the bell rings, I don't know about the wing part, but, I'm, uh, but Trish got saved, Trish got saved, and all the relatives rejoicing, but all the angels rejoice too. So that's what the, I don't think I'm pulling that out too far, guys. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's why we have a passion for each one reaching one. Each of us saying, what's one person I can bring into the kingdom of God? What if that one person is like a Billy Graham? Maybe you're shy, but that one person's a firehouse for the Lord. Let's keep going on. Verse 11, everybody there? Now this is the parable of the lost son. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. We went from 100 to 10 down to two now. And the younger of them said, check him, check him out. He's a big old show off. It's one of them you want to pop in the head, right? Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Who do you think you are? Talking to your dad like that, number one, disrespect. Number two, why does he have to give you a portion? We live in a day and age where, for some reason, parents work hard and they build a little nest age egg and the kids want to say, well, I should have the same thing. Why don't I have the same thing? Because you didn't work 30 years for the same thing. Yet, yet, you can still do it. Anyway, I'll stay with the message. Amen? All right. Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, can you picture the scene? The younger son gathers all together. Adios. I'll never be back. I'm going to go live it up, right? He journeys off to a far country. And there he wastes his possessions on prodigal living. Let me tell you something. You got money? They'll all come around you. You're buying drinks tonight. You're buying an ounce of marijuana. Woo! Let's go pick up girls. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. But when the money runs out, people say, oh, they're going to be my friends forever. You hear young people saying that? Not. Not. How many here remember a whole bunch of high school friends or still associated with them? It's not there. It's not there. Everybody goes to their different lives. Amen? But when he had spent all, all that he had, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to the citizens of that country, so we know he's not in Israel now, and he sent them to the fields to feed swine. Can you imagine that? Anybody ever see a pig rolling in mud? They're like dirty animals, right? So here, here he is. He's eating what pigs eat, going from a good life to a low life. Amen? And he gladly would have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Didn't he 
spend all that he had for others, and now others won't give him a meal? Young people, listen to me. No one gave him anything. I love the next line. But when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, how many here remember when you came to your senses? Some of you were younger, older, but you came to your senses. I shared this first service. I think before sending your kids off to college, universities, send them on a, a good mission trip, amen? I'm not talking about a week. I'm talking about six months or so. Let them see what's going on. Let them get their roots in before the stuff of this world is going to really attack them. And look, a lot of kids are strong and they'll do good in school. I get it. But a lot of kids are not strong yet. And they need a foundation. Amen? Nothing wrong with letting a year go by and letting them learn what it's like to serve. Amen? They came to their senses. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough, he's talking now, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, now watch, he's going to put his own speech together. He's going to take five pages and bring it down to a paragraph. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, would you underline that please? When he was still what? A great way off. A great way off. You know what that's showing me? Daddy was watching. Daddy was looking. Daddy had hoped that his kid would come back one day. And parents that have lost their children I, or, you know, children aren't serving the Lord, you keep looking. I don't care if they yelled at you on the phone. I don't care if they hung up on you. I don't care if they said, I want nothing to do with you. You pray and you watch. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And watch them come back home. Amen. So Father, look what it says. Uh, I lost my place. And he arose, uh, make me, uh, okay. And, all right, I'm sorry. I will arrive, verse 18, and go to my father, I have sinned, and I no longer make me like one of your servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Picture the scene. I'm looking to the back of the church right now. His father saw him. Saw him with rags on, probably saw him with the mud of pigs all over him. He had compassion. Here's the definition for compassion. Write it down. Compassion is love in action. Pity is, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do. Compassion sees a need, and compassion says, what can I do? We see needs all around us. People are lost. People are going to hell. We got the message. Each one of us can reach one. Each one of us can say, I can say something to Uncle George. I can say something to Aunt Millie. I can, I can, I can. And let God use us. His father saw him. He had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I got a good nose. 
and smells get to me. I'm being honest with you. Can you imagine what he smelled like? He stinketh. But yet the Bible says his father ran to him. His father put his, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, he had a speech ready. Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And his father said, oh, shut up. Get the servants. Bring out the best robe. Now, the way I am, I would have probably said, take a shower, and then we'll put a good robe on you. We're all different, amen? Bring out the best robe. Not just a robe, the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hands. Put sandals on his feet. Bring out the fatted calf. You guys know what the fatted calf is, right? It's the veal. Remember veal cutlets? Mmm. Take out, we're going to make veal parmesan. Amen. Bring out the fatted calf here. Kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and now he is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Let us make merry. You get tired of your just boring day-to-day -day life? I do. I should say I did. Then I decided to do something about it. Conventional wisdom says you live your life, you grow up, your parents die, they leave an inheritance for you. That wasn't working for me. I wanted to enjoy that inheritance now, so I decided to do something about it. So one day, I walked straight up to my dad, looked him square in the eye, and I said, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. That's what my youngest son said to me. At that moment, all I could think of was, I'd like to give what's coming to him right now. But he's my son, and I love him. And as much as it put an ache in my heart, I gave him the money. And I told him that he could go search for a life on his own. Not long after that, he packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, I was out of there. The friends, the food, the clothes, it was, it was great. Until my son's money ran out around the same time the country hit a recession. It was bad, really bad. I'd squandered everything my dad had given me, and uh, I, I didn't have anywhere to live, anything to eat. So it was, it was hunger pains as a constant reminder of how I'd squandered my life away. I, I lived in agony day after day. After day after day, I would watch and I would wait. And my heart would ache as only a heart can from a parent to a child. But hear me on this. I never once gave up on my child. I knew that he would come back one day. One day it hit me. I realized my dad's lowliest worker was living like a king compared to me so i had an idea see i would go up to him and and i would humbly just ask him for a job i i couldn't expect him to take me back as his son but maybe he would give me a job just maybe it was a beautiful day i was sitting there on the porch just enjoying the cool breeze and that's when i saw him he stood up he looked in my direction, and he squinted his eyes to kind of get a better look at me. 
wondered if he would take me back. And then my dad jumped off the porch. You know what I did next? I ran. I've never seen him run so fast. He, he, he was like, he was like this kid who was excited about something. And then, and then I realized he was excited about me. My heart was pounding so fast, I just had to get to him. He was running at me with his arms stretched out as if to say, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home. And as I got closer to him, I could, I could see tears in his eyes. My dad was crying, tears of joy. And you know what my boy did next? He jumped. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I, I jumped right into my dad's arms and you know what he did? Well, I fell backwards. He's a big boy. He helped me. He helped me like only a father could. I just kept saying to him over and over again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve to be called your son. My son. My son is home. Get him some clean clothes. Get him some shoes for his feet. Let's prepare a meal. No. No. Let's prepare a feast. <laughs> for my son will no longer live as an orphan. <sighs> Today we will celebrate. For all my hopes have come true. I guess so. I guess it was hope. Hope that kept me going all those days. Hope that my father would show me mercy. Hope that somehow he would take me back and that I could be forgiven. Forgiven. It is all forgiven. And it is forgotten. And I will never bring it up again. There is no anger. There is no shame. There is no blame. All that's left is just pure joy. For my child was lost, and now he's found. And that church family is the greatest love story, amen? It is the gospel which is nearly too good to be true news, and that's what compels us to give up, to go up, to seek and to save those that are lost. And that's why as we await the return of Jesus, we do all we can to reach people here and abroad with the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus said, then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. As we await the return of the king, we don't sit around and go, oh, I'm just going to goof around till the king comes. We get busy for him. We get the hustle mentality. What can I do? I want to store up treasures forever, especially lost people. So each one, reach one. Let that, write that, put that on your house. Do something with that. Each one, reach one. Who is the one person I can reach with the good news of Jesus Christ in my lifetime. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for hearing the word of God today. 
And thank you for being a church. When I look at all the food out there and all that you do, my heart is so proud of you guys. Love you guys. Love you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you so much and we thank you. Thank you for the resurrection of life. Now this morning as we wrap up, I want to do twofold here. First, I want to ask, if you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and you'd like to make that decision today, then if the Lord is pulling at your heart, pray this with me. My dear God in heaven, I believe today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross and that he rose on the third day. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you. I repent of my sins. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name, amen. No one looking around. If you're unsaved, your angels want to jump up and down a little bit. Amen. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior, and you would like to do that today, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll tell you why right up front. We'd like to give you a free gift to help you. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front. But one of our altar workers is going to put a free gift in your hand. It's our way of saying, here's the next step. If you don't have a Bible, stop in our bookstore and get yourself. They'll give you a free New Testament, the little card in that package. Just take it to them, and they'll give you a free New Testament. So if you're here today, and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord, to be your Savior, or maybe you have, but you're not living for him, you like to rededicate your life, or maybe you're just not sure yet, but you would still like this package before you leave, that with no one looking around between you, Almighty God, myself, and one altar worker, would you just slip your hand up so that the altar worker can see it? Make sure I see it too, amen. Just slip your hand up and we'll get somebody to come right to you, right to you. Please don't leave without that assurance. The day is late, but there's still time to get in right now, amen. The door is not closed on the boat yet. Hallelujah. All right, we're all Christians. Now here's my challenge to you today. Next week is a big Sunday here again. Wear your jerseys. Have fun with it. Let's have a good time with it. But start thinking about who can I share an invitation? Who can I share uh, um, whatever? Who is the, the one that I can reach? Each one, reach one. Start praying seriously about that as we travel this month in this teaching. And let's see many people get born again. Amen? Let me bless you as we go today. Father, I thank you for such a precious group of believers. And I pray for them and their families right now. I pray your peace, yes, but I pray your prosperity. I pray for good jobs, promotions. I pray for health in their well, health and well-being. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I pray for God's favor to guide you and lead you, that you'll have the right promotions, the right job, the right interviews, know what to say, what school to go to, what school for your children, on and on. And I thank that. Thank you, Father, for that over these beautiful people. In Jesus' name. Now let's say it together. Father, I thank you that you have made us the head and not the tail. 
above only, go ahead, and not beneath, that in all our ways and endeavors, that we are highly favored and deeply loved, that we are blessed. Amen, church family. Have